What's up, friends? Welcome to Peloton. We always work this hard because we are Peloton, and together we go far. Remember, you are not alone. I'm right there with you. Progress, not perfection. You've done the hardest part. This is Peloton. Hey, everybody. What's up? I am Tim Day Oyenane, and welcome to Fitness Flipped, a Peloton Studios original. It's the show all about flipping the script on the things we think we know about fitness. Today, we're talking about how to build our endurance and keep persevering despite all the ups and all the downs and everything that's thrown our way. When I think about people that I admire the most, what I admire about those individuals is their ability to face anything and everything head on. All of life's ups, all of life's downs, all of the high highs and the low lows. The strongest people, the most successful people, I think even the happiest people are the ones who endure and persevere through all of it. They go through the things, but they always find their way back from the discomfort, the unexpected obstacles, everything that went wrong. They find a way to move through it. Endurance is both physical and emotional. We build physical endurance so that we can keep going in the face of everything that life throws at us. And then we practice perseverance so that we can keep pushing towards this life that we dream of, the life that we dream of. So today we're gonna talk about how to train for our discomfort and then how to create a clear vision, emphasis on the word clear, and then we'll talk about how to map out all the steps for getting there. I think that when you take a step back and you listen to the message of today's episode, it's really about this idea of just taking little bite-sized steps, moving just a little bit further. Whether we're looking at this from the lens of fitness or through the lens of life, building endurance and perseverance is the key to pursuing our goals. So here's what's happening on today's episode of Fitness Flipped. First, we're talking to an expert in athletic endurance, and then we're talking to, hmm, how do I describe her? Well, she's one of my favorite people on the planet. She's a legend. She's a queen. Uh, she's a Peloton instructor, author, and she's my really good friend, Miss Robin Arzon. Our expert today is Dr. Carla Mayan. She researches the psychological aspects of endurance and the challenges it presents for athletes. We know that stamina is physical and also mental. So let's start with our bodies. I asked Dr. Carla what we can learn about perseverance from the greatest endurance athletes. One of the things that's really kind of for me stands out and is unique in terms of endurance performance from a psychological perspective is that you make the decision to hurt. Endurance performance is, you know, there's this element of discomfort or, or pain and you make that decision to expose yourself to the pain. You know it's going to hurt, yet you're going to go into doing it. It's a big question in the research whether people select ultra-endurance or endurance activities because they're better kind of able to deal with the pain or whether you can learn to deal with the pain through those activities. And 
the question mark is still there. We, we don't quite have the answer what leads to what, whether it's you you doing a lot of these activities makes you more kind of resilient towards the pain or more able to to deal with the pain or because you're already very good in dealing with the pain, you choose those activities. It's probably somewhere in between. So I think you can definitely train to to do that. You know, the first time you go out and do a run, it probably hurts. You know, you feel your muscles and especially, you know, maybe you've been injured and it's the first time you're doing it again or you've never done that particular distance. Your muscles will be sore. So it's about how do you then interpret that pain? Do you see it as something never again? Or do you see, oh, well, actually, okay, I can see that this pain is related to the exercise. And after a few days, I can see the pain's going down. Okay, let's try again. Okay, how much pain do I feel now? Oh, it's actually going down. So I can see that this is, is pain that's, that's linked to the type of activity I'm doing. And it's not necessarily bed pain. Obviously, it's a very different story when it's a recurrent pain that doesn't go away. And then obviously you need to make sure that, you know, you know what's going on. But it's definitely something you can train, you know, managing pain and discomfort. There's different psychological techniques that you can draw on to help manage that pain. Traditionally, uh, research suggested that, you know, you can associate or dissociate with pain. uh, So you can move your attention towards the pain or move it away from the pain. And moving away your attention away from the pain, you can do things like using imagery. So maybe you're imagining yourself being on like a comfortable beach or, you know, listening to, to a nice sound or song to draw your attention away from that feeling of pain. Mindfulness-based strategies are another example. Focusing your breath to, to the belly diaphragm can be a really helpful way of managing pain. So kind of breathing in and breathing out to the pain and actually through focusing on the pain, how how odd that might sound, can actually help reduce the intensity of the pain. It might be that we give the pain an image or a color or a sound. And so we change the relationship we have with pain. I've spoken to some ultra-endurance runners in the past and they sometimes said that they were talking to the pain. So they, they kind of saw the pain as a companion who they would then speak to to manage some of those kind of darker moments in the race. Our relationship to pain. I found that fascinating. You know, when we think of working out, a workout is painful, but we see that our body recovers from the pain. We see that our body not only restores itself from the attack, if you will, it's a Tabata class, but also we see that our body is then stronger as a result of it. You know, oftentimes in class, I say the pain that you feel today reveals itself or shows itself as strength tomorrow. And that message for me is so true while being physical, like on the bike or on the tread or lifting weights, but it's so true in life. The challenges that we face on and off the bike, we are stronger as a result of them. And and so it's this idea of looking at fitness as practice. It's practice for real life. I train my body to feel this pain and recognize that it will be okay. So then can I train my mind, my spirit, to feel pain, acknowledge pain, and then recognize that I will be all right. Look, Dr. Carla, it's just great to hear that some of these things that come to us in the moment on the bike, there's actually science that backs it. 
So it's the moment that you all came for. <laughs> Our next guest is my friend. She's my sister. She's my sister friend. She's the ultimate and the absolute when it comes to perseverance of all kinds. She's a VP of fitness at Peloton, also the head instructor at Peloton. She's a two-time New York Times bestselling author, a former lawyer, a mom, an ultra marathoner. How many marathons? Well, 27, if you're asking. She's also a really great cook. I was just at her place for brunch and she's a phenomenal cook. You guys, please welcome Robin Arzon. Hey, Robin! I'm so excited that you are with us on the podcast today. It's wild because I, number one, I, I'm a fan of yours. I'm a Robin fan, turn teammate, turn sister. And so it is just such a joy to have you here. I'm going to ask you these questions like I don't know the answers to the questions. Uh, but, but we're happy you're here. We're talking about endurance and perseverance today. And when I think about endurance, I know that we build physical endurance so that we can keep going in the face of everything that life throws our way. We practice perseverance so that we can keep pursuing the life of our dreams. I'd love for you to tell us about your upbringing and talk to us about how your ability to endure has shaped who you are and who you've become. So, okay, so we're just starting with like small, casual questions. I love it. Let's go. <laughs> you know, we just like to really just ease our way in here on Fitness Sports. We're not sipping the tea. We're just like <laughs> taking shots of the of the tea. Okay, here we go. So <laughs> I grew up in a Puerto Rican Cuban household. My mom is a Cuban refugee. My dad was born in Puerto Rico and grew up in the Bronx. I would say endurance and resiliency lives in my DNA. And I kind of understood those concepts through osmosis and through storytelling, through legacy building, my forebears really created that framework for me. But I would say I didn't come to a relationship with endurance, certainly not in my physical body, until adulthood. Because I, when I was a kid, I would do anything to get out of gym class. I was like forging notes from my mom. I was a driven and <laughs> I was a driven little little girl. But yeah, movement was not part of my repertoire. And I really started running and lacing up to run through trauma as a young woman. And that movement became healing for me. And I really do think that, you know, as much as we're training cardiovascularly and we're building muscle, resiliency, willpower, the ability to use what we know in our toolkit when things get rough, when the cortisol is high, when trauma hits, when tragedy strikes, we have access to that no matter what season of life we're in. Mm, yes. We are developing our toolkit. You talked about how you kind of ran your way out of trauma. Can you elaborate on that for people who don't know about your story? So, <clears throat> trigger warning, I was held at gunpoint when I was entering my senior year at NYU. It was, you know, a summer night in New York City, you know, footloose and fancy free with my girlfriends, having a glass of wine after work, and in walks in a man with a gun and proceeds to hold the entire bar hostage. And I became the pseudo-negotiator with the NYPD. He was basically holding me in front of him like a human shield. And... You know, we were in there for long enough for my life to change. And trauma survivors know that it's not just the inflection point of the trauma. It's waking up every day thereafter and deciding, who am I going to be now that that's part of my story? And how do I take ownership of that story in a way that 
empowers my next step. And a refrain that I think changed my life was, this is not the end to my story. And my mom is not getting a call tomorrow that this was the end to my story. This is not the end to my story. And that is just what I internally kept telling myself and telling myself. And I'm just now realizing that was this was my first mantra. And um, I'm really only just realizing that now. And I've told this story a lot publicly over the years because I think the most harmful story is the one that we're unwilling to reframe and look at from a different light. And I had to look at this experience from a different light. If you could say one thing to someone who is dealing with their own trauma right now, what would you add to that? I mean, I think it's two parts, right? In one part, it's practical. It's like, go back to your toolkit. Like, when we're in the throes, like, we are, when we are walking through the storm, we need as much of the basics as we can get. Right. So it's like the little bit of sleep hygiene. It's eating the vegetable, drinking a glass of water, you know, doing a 10 or 15 minute class. And that's the last thing you want to do, especially when you're really deep in it. And especially when you're doing it for somebody else, like a parent or another, you know, a loved one grieving. There's, I mean, that stuff is heavy. But that is when we need to take care of ourselves so we can take care of others. So that's the practical piece of it. And I guess the more esoteric piece is that struggle is always a catalyst for strength, period. Whether you're talking about micro tears and lifting weights and having the body repair itself, the most likely human response to struggle and strain and trauma is repair and resiliency. That is the most likely human response. And we have to trust that. We have to trust our ability to navigate it. Um, but it doesn't mean we should martyr ourselves to our pain. Like we should ask for the help that we need and we should be very clear about our boundaries. Robin, earlier in the episode, we talked to an endurance expert who said that endurance is often about transforming your relationship to pain. Has there been a time in your life outside of the trauma that you just spoke of where you had to physically and mentally transform your relationship with pain? I mean, almost on a daily basis. I, I, it's interesting because I, I think that ritualizing discomfort in a safe space, like on the bike, like on the tread, like picking up weights, you know, on a yoga class, whatever it is, whatever we consider to be our challenge. When we ritualize that discomfort, when we create a rite of passage, a little mini rite of passage of finishing the Tabata class or finishing the 30 minute run, whatever it is, it's a signal to our spirit, to our psyche, to our muscles, to our synapses, to our cells that an adaptation is called for. And mm. when we have enough of those adaptations, yes, we see the physical changes, but I care much more that people start to notice the confidence, the bravery that ends up becoming a side effect of that work. So long answer to your question is I put myself in those scenarios almost every day. I do my own training session nearly every day. And of course, 50 and 100 mile races, any ultra marathons, those were real mental battles because, you know, when you're out there, your thoughts are on a loudspeaker. And hmm. it was, it, that was when I truly understood the mental gymnastics of our thoughts. And I asked myself often, if your thoughts were playing on a loudspeaker, would you be proud of them? Would you say what you just said to yourself, to a loved one, to a friend, to your daughter, to your husband? And oftentimes the answer is no. You know, we don't go around, hopefully, you know, berating other folks. So why would we do that to ourselves? Why would we be so vicious with the most important conversation we're going to have? 
So I entered the world of movement as a marathoner and an ultra marathoner. And I really developed that appetite for the conversation with myself as initially as a way to heal. And then when I realized, oh, there's a, I can tap into my own magic. Like I am a self-generated hype woman. I have the ability to have Oprah level. Like there are days when I'm like approaching the barbell or I'm about to go for a long run. Like you would think Oprah is in my ear giving out (laughs) cars, honey. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's like, not cars. Not the car. Yes. You know, and it is next level. And that is how I speak to myself. So you're on marathon 27? 27 marathons. That's right. 27 marathons. So then what is the difference between the conversation that you're having internally with self at mile three Versus mile 13, 23. Mm. I mean, mile 13 is really still just the warm-up. Like, a marathon doesn't start till mile 16, 17. So you're feeling good by that point. And, like, that's where I've made mistakes in the past. Because sometimes you're feeling so good that you're like, oh, forget my splits. Let me just go, like, 15 seconds per mile faster, which is very— Don't do that. Mm. Um, Not for a marathon. So— that I would say the race starts at mile 17 and I mentally prepare. I accept for it to feel, it's going to feel bad. Like, and when it feels bad, I remember at mile 21 during the most recent New York city marathon, I was going over, I was entering um, one of the final bridges into the Bronx. And I like you, th- I needed like an, I needed like an oil change, like from was wizard of Oz, like the homie who was the tin man. Hmm. Um, my legs were just like, <laughs> like it was like, who oh, doesn't have any any knees anymore? You know, and I was fine, and it went away literally within like half a mile. But I told myself, this is what you train for. Like you expected this moment. Like this is the moment when the struggle becomes strength. And it's never training through injury or anything foolish. But but I expected that moment. And then when the moment is more serious, when the moment is life, you know, when it's not uh, something that I willingly entered like a marathon, it, it's when it's heavy, I remember all the moments that I withstood anyway. And that's where it pays dividends. So, you know, there's something in goal setting that I find people don't like to talk about, which is the necessity to pivot, which is planning for the rainy day, analyzing the roadblocks, saying, Like, there's going to be the day that it feels like rain and you have to bring your own sunshine and search for where the light comes in. And how we talk to ourselves matters. How we reframe the situation around us matters. How we use gratitude as kind of an Instagram filter of sorts matters. That's when mantras and all the other stuff in the toolbox come into play. Robin, you've officially been at Peloton for eight years, right? Eight Eight years. years. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. You just had your Peloverse, right? You've officially been a Peloton instructor, longer than you practice law. What made you leave your career in law? So I practiced law for almost eight years in New York City as a corporate litigator. And the law hustle can be very, very real. I was working 80-hour weeks most weeks. My office was near Central Park. So I would just longingly, like, look out my little office window. And I had an office, you know. It was, like, so—I felt, like, so big time. And— I would just count down the minutes of my day when I can even just go for a jog for 20 minutes, you know, 30 minutes. And there were the, one, the, the times I could do the full loop of the park. I mean, that was like a day, you know. And I realized it can't be that I live for 20 minutes in my day. Is that the ratio that we're working with? And I was actually working on really interesting cases. The intellectual rigor of law, 
I found very interesting. If you would have asked me then, how's your life as a lawyer? I would have said, that's okay. It's, it's fine. And I realized, is fine the standard that you're setting? And that was when I started to reclaim little bits of my day back. Literally, I set a recurring calendar appointment for 10 minutes every morning that my administrative assistant knew was a protected time. And in those 10 minutes is when I would like send the email, do the Google search. You know, I was having little, you know, breakfast phone calls with editors at magazines and anyone in the world of wellness. Back then it was much more, you know, a journalistic approach to wellness. And little by little amounted to a lot. And those 10 minutes a day, I I crafted my way out of a law career and into something else. And I didn't know what that something else was going to be, but I knew it had to infuse me with more than fine. It was interesting because it wasn't as if I had a finish line that was like, I want to become XYZ position at XYZ place. And that's, that's the goal. I knew how I wanted to feel. And that actually enabled me to create process goals and visualize based on feeling and instinct. And I know that's a little bit like esoteric and gray, but we have to curate moments in our lives to listen to ourselves. And when I was in the thick of that law game, I just got really curious. And I did a three-part audit. I did a physical audit. I did a financial audit and I did a spiritual energetic audit. And, you know, the financial part was like, if you're not going to have a steady paycheck from a law firm, how how are you going to do this? And for two years, I really lived very leanly, like no Christmas gifts, you know, no holiday gifts, no birthday gifts. People are getting handmade cards, like super leanly. Um, So there was the financial piece. Then there was the physical piece. If you're going to go through a huge life transition, you do want your health to be as much, you know, as, as good as it can be. And then there was the more spiritual energetic piece of like, that's when I allowed myself to do the vision boards, to learn how to meditate, to kind of ask myself the existential questions for which a lot of them, I still don't have answers, but that curiosity and that element of play, I allowed in little small moments of my life. I didn't feel pressure to figure it all out. I just trusted that I knew how I wanted to feel along the way. Mm. I think there's so many people out there that say, I know that I don't love what I'm doing. I don't know what I want to do next. And so it almost feels, sometimes it's easy to feel overwhelmed by that. I think what's beautiful about what you did is you just allowed yourself to be in this beautiful space of wonder and of imagination. Robin, What word of advice would you give to our listeners who are persevering through everything that is right now, the world, all the much? Gosh, we've lived through so much right now. Um, Move towards what feels like a yes. Like, we've been told so much no. It's like, we've had so many ways in which we'd needed to pivot and adapt for health and safety and community and all kinds of stuff. The reality is I feel like we should move to, into more of what feels like joy because no time in joy is wasted. So I think that there's like mm. a, a presence of mind that I would love for folks even in those tough times to try to focus on because the, mm. the light will always pour in, like the, even if it's a, it's a glimmer. Robin, thank you so much for, for being here today. Every time we talk, this is like therapy for my soul. <laughs> ah, so I love good. it. I love you. Thank love you so you. much, Robin. Thanks for having me. 
Look, Robin, I will absolutely and always move towards joy. What a mantra to keep in our hearts through tough times. We persevere and we endure because we are always moving towards joy. Here's my question for y'all. What joy are you stepping towards right now? All right, friends, it's that time again. It's time to tune in, turn on, and tap into Tuesday's final thoughts. When I think about what comes to me, the words that come to me when I'm moving through an endurance workout, it's just keep going. It's don't stop. It's your body has the ability to show up. Show up. I remind myself what I plugged in for, so why I'm doing it. Um and I tell myself, yes you can because you already did. I like to chunk my workouts out in segments. So if I know that I'm working out for say 50 minutes, I look at that as 5-10 minute blocks. And when I get to block number 3 and I feel like quitting or want to give up, I tell myself, "Tuesday, you've already done this two times. Most certainly you can do this again." And so it's this idea of not only telling myself that I can and telling myself that I get to but also telling myself you just did which is why i think what dr carlos said really resonated and meant something to me yeah my body's tolerated this pain before and as a result i've come stronger and so i know i can get through this and i know what's waiting for me on the other side when i'm planning a class or creating a class for members to take I like to tell the the story the same way I I tell a story within a book. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Sometimes that story is told through the music, the evolution of music, starting softer building and then the explosion. Uh sometimes it's through the class plan, so creating frequency, so moments of intensity coming down. um from the intensity even though it may not feel like it came down from the intensity log enough uh as steady build so maybe that's a climbing moment and then sometimes right when you're deep in the climb and you think you've got it all figured out and everything's moving accordingly you get slapped by an interval because sometimes life doesn't go according to plan and so the class plan really mimics life like right when you think that you are in control and you've found your steady flow then i like to rock you in addition to that i'd say there's always one moment within the ride where you finally feel like you're winning even if it's just for a moment you feel like you're winning i create moments of winning so that you're drawn to come back and face it hopefully face it again high highs and low lows it's real I'd say that my piece of advice for people, person who is looking for the motivator to take that little step, to keep pushing. I'd say that whether it's on the tread or off the tread or on the bike or off the bike, the only person who can do it for you is you. 
the only person who can take that next step, be it small or very large, is you. And rather than assuming that the next step should be a leap, allow the next step to be just that, just a step. Let's wrap up today with our weekly challenge. And I think this week I've got a good one. What if we all jumped into an unfamiliar program, such as Emma's Crush Your Core 2, or maybe it's Total Strength 2 with Andy? Both programs challenge your strength over many weeks, so I feel like it's perfect. I'm also challenging us to develop our own mantra to keep going when it gets tough. When that workout gets tough, what is the thing that you say to yourself on repeat? The things that we say to ourselves on repeat, no one can hear them. It's like they're trapped in our head. And so because those thoughts are trapped in our head, they have so much power. What are the words that you are giving power to this week? Tell us because we want to hear about them. Find me at Tune to Tune Day and at One Peloton. Hashtag Fitness Flipped. For even more fun challenges just like this and so much more, download the Peloton app to take all of our classes. It's a great day, y'all. Come out and be great. Fitness Lift is a production of Peloton Studios. It is produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of the Mashup Americans. Our senior producer is Sarah Pellegrini. Our development producer is Alana Levinson. And our production manager is Shelby Sandlin. Fitness Flip is sound designed by Pedro Rafael Rosado. Original music composed by Jen Kwok and Jody Shelton. Special thanks to Jen Cotter, Janie Herbert, Laura Petro, Amanda Hill, Danielle Mills, Tony Calandra, DJ John Michael, and Alexis Duncan.